Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Steve Hoffman about the secret model for exponential growth, building innovation teams. Steve Hoffman, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. John, it's fantastic to be here. It is great to be with you. You're joining us from the Bay Area in California. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about innovation. We're going to be talking about the secret model for exponential growth and focusing on building ecosystems rather than products. And we're going to be doing that from a, an innovation team kind of perspective and framing. As we get started, I wanted to share Steve's bio with everybody. Steve Hoffman, or Captain Hoff, is the chairman and CEO of Founderspace, a global innovation hub for entrepreneurs, corporations, and investors with over 50 partners in 22 countries. He is also a venture investor, founder of three venture-backed and two bootstrap startups, and author of several award-winning books. These include Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Forces. And I could go on and on and on with your bio and your background, but I'm going to pause there, give you a chance now to share anything else about yourself, and then we'll launch on into the conversation. Sure, John. I work with startups all over the world. So I see the teams, how they run, how they operate. You know, I work with hundreds of startups. And every time I go deep with a startup, I notice the areas where they're deficient, where they're not really performing at their peak, and areas where they really excel, which startups take off, which startups overcome the obstacles. And those are the type of things I like to share with people. So I hope to talk about that today. Perfect. I, I think that's wonderful. And of course, you're in, in one of those uh, hub spaces for startups and entrepreneurial activity, especially tech sector, but all sorts of things. Uh, so I, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your insights with me and my audience. Um, now, I know you talk about the ideas and you, you you talk about why ideas don't matter so much. What do you mean by that? Uh, most people, when they think about a new startup or an entrepreneurial endeavor, they think they need to have you know this amazing idea uh, to get going. So what do you mean by that? Yes, most of us think, oh, I can't do a startup. I can't start my own business, you know, especially in the tech sector where you're yeah. supposed to break through and conquer the world and change everything. I can't do that unless I have an epiphany, like some amazing idea. But honestly, the idea doesn't matter, not near, especially at the beginning. Eventually, 
whatever you're doing does matter, the idea. But at the beginning, I will tell you what matters. And this is what I tell entrepreneurs or anybody, if you're in a large corporation and you want to reinvent your business, innovate, start a new business idea, don't focus on the idea itself. Focus on the people. I tell entrepreneurs, spend 80% of your time up front finding the right people. And I'm not talking about good people. I'm not talking about competent people. Because good and competent people will build good and reasonable products and services. But those products are already out there. There's already competitors probably doing whatever you want to do. So if you're coming in with good, you've already lost as a startup. You, If you're going to break through, you have to do something exceptional. And that means you need exceptional people from the get-go. And that's not easy to do. Like, it's not an easy challenge. But I will tell you, if you surround yourself with exceptional people, exceptional co-founders in your company, people who have just amazing talents, like the best you could possibly hope for, and exceptional advisors who have been there, done that, can guide you through, help you around the obstacles, then you have a fighting chance to break through and break out as a startup. And if you don't do that, almost invariably, you can have the best idea in the world, right. the most amazing idea. You will fumble the ball. Some other team will pick it up and run with it. Yeah, that's a really, really great point. Now, it's great if you have that epiphany. It's great if you have that earth-shattering, mind-bending idea, that that entirely new way of, of looking at a problem and, and with a creative solution. But that alone won't actually get you to the finish line. Like implementation is so hard and, and starting a business, running a business is all about the people. Uh, and so that's that's honestly where so many founders get caught up. Uh, I, I see it all the time here. We're, we're not a Silicon Valley kind of um, location, but here in the tech corridor in uh, Salt Lake City, which has been dubbed Silicon Slopes, we're also a, a hotbed for entrepreneurial activity and tech activity. And a lot of big firms have, have started here and unicorns and such. We, we have that kind of an ecosystem here as well. And you see the same problems happen again and again and again. Uh, and it's because people have a good idea or they think they have a good idea, uh, but they don't invest that 80% or even 50% or even 25% <laughs> into no, the people. Just... You pick who's around you. Oh, I know, I know this person. I'm going to bring them on the team. You know, I know I feel comfortable around them. I've worked with them before. That's not the way to go about it. I mean, if they're exceptional, do that. Get them. Sure. People you know who are exceptional and you know you can work with, great. But if they're just, you know, competent, it's not going to get you there. And the other thing I want to say, which is really important, is that the reason I tell people not to pick an idea right from the get-go, instead what they should do is pick a direction. What is an area you think deserves innovation and attention that you feel passionate about changing? Like maybe you grew up in the restaurant business and you want to use technology to transform the food industry, the, the service industry, the restaurant business. Or you see a problem out there like the fishing industry with overfishing, you know, these, these horrible, you know, bycatch and all the different problems in the fishing industry. Go into those industries with an open mind, because I will tell you, whatever you're probably thinking of in the get-go isn't, isn't right. Like it may be partially right, your, your big idea, but if you have a closed mind, you won't see the big opportunity. And I just yeah. want to remind people out there, you know, most companies at the early stages, including Google, YouTube, uh, you know, Twitter, all, you know, go on and down the list, Facebook, all of these started 
in a different direction than they ended up with. I mean, Google, for instance, like everybody thinks Google is amazing, but Google originally was a search engine just yep. narrowly targeted at academics finding research papers online. That wasn't yeah. the big idea. YouTube was a video dating site. That wasn't the big idea. Uh, Twitter was sort of a podcasting site before it became Twitter and they spun off Twitter. You go on and on and on. They, If they stuck with their original idea or they thought it, it was that important, they would have never gotten to where they are. Yeah, and, and I, I like to look at problems or at least attempt to look at problems from a systems kind of perspective, a holistic perspective. And what often happens in new startups and entrepreneurial endeavors is you jump immediately to the solution. So rather than scanning everything and, and having a really good sense of the holistic issues at hand and the, and the gap that you're trying to fill, you, you, you see a problem, then you immediately jump to the solution. Um, that solution typically won't be the right thing uh, it, because you're only addressing some little tangential piece of the problem. Uh, and I think that gets back to exactly what you were just describing that, uh, it might be part of the issue and it might be a partial solution, but in isolation, it's not really going to do much of anything. And most of the time we're going to have to iterate, we're going to have to adjust and we're going to have to pivot and change directions. All of that is going to be necessary for pretty much every business. And so if you take a lot of time to just kind of pull the trigger on, on getting going with, um, you know, your startup, because you're waiting for that great epiphany, I guess the message here is, that even if it comes, you're probably going to pivot a year down the road anyways. And so focus on getting your team around you, focus on the, the, the overall strategies, the models that you're going to be implementing, and then get, get great people around you. And then focus on the, the policies, practices, procedures that are going to be necessary to make your, your endeavor sustainable as you scale over time. Right. And the other thing that's really important to remember is it doesn't have to be your idea. Like a lot of entrepreneurs think, you know, because they, they are the founder, the CEO, that it has to be their idea for it to be, for them to even do it. And therefore they take ownership of it. They shut other people out by not wedding yourself to an idea at the beginning, by being open, by bringing in other team members and listening to what they have. If you're getting exceptional people, they may have better ideas than you do. They may see things from a different perspective than you do. Hopefully they do. And it's the collaboration of all of you that will take you in the direction you need to go. Do not make the mistake of owning the idea. And I'll give you a few examples. Can, can I just say to that point, yeah, what you're describing is you're making it all about you. It's all about your ego. It's all about your idea, you being able to make your mark, your legacy, that's not a sustainable approach to a successful business to bring value to the marketplace. So, so let, exactly bring in diverse ideas through great people that you surround yourself with, have some intellectual humility and, and set your ego aside so that you can actually, you know, create something really cool. So anyways, you have some good examples. I absolutely do. So, you know, the thing, uh, Google did a study out there on their teams their innovation teams, like which ones really performed well, like actually, you know, created great products and brought them to market and which ones failed, which ones lagged behind. And uh, their study showed very clearly that it wasn't, it was the teams that worked well together, where everybody felt included, 
everybody had an element, one important element. They trusted one another. They trusted one another. They could be open. They could express themselves. This is the type. So you're going to be like the CEO's job is not to come up with the greatest ideas. You know, Elon Musk did not come up with the idea for Tesla. Like everybody gives him credit for it now because he's done an amazing job of growing that company. But it was somebody else's startup. You know, Kalanick, who founded Uber, that wasn't his idea. It wasn't his startup. It was somebody else's. Again, he came in, he recognized great ideas. So what I want you to do as a leader is a leader's job is to recognize what works and set the direction and then get the people around that direction moving together, working well together. If you can do that, you're a successful leader. You have fully harnessed your human capital. And I will tell you, human capital is 10 times more important than actual money. <laughs> you know, the capital we always think of when we talk about venture capital. Everybody chases the money. And I'm like, don't chase the money, chase the people. Like when you're starting a company, a lot of them come to Silicon Valley. They talk to me because founder space is very well known. And they come to me and they're like, oh, introduce me to investors, introduce me to investors. I'm like, introduce me to your team. Like introduce me to the people who are going to make this company. And it almost, you know, 95% of the time, they haven't put nearly enough time into building that team or figuring out how to manage innovation teams. Like, what does it take to get these smart people? Let's say they overcome the first obstacle and they work their butt off. They go to like the, you know, the top universities are talking to all these really smart people. They're in the industry networking, putting together these people to build this company. Now, how do you truly harness them? Yeah, get getting that team together in the first place. That's a tall order, right? So that's, <laughs> we don't want to assume that that's just an easy thing to do, that you have to definitely put in the work. But that alone isn't enough either, because you can get a really great team together of just A plus players. And, and I think of like a, a basketball uh, analogy, you know, you think about the dream team in basketball back in the 90s, and they just crushed everybody in the Olympics, right? All these superstars. Um, but then we continue to do that. So for several Olympics, and we may still do that. I'm, I'm not actually sure. I kind of stopped paying attention. Um, but we, we feel these teams with all these all-star players. And then it was somewhere, maybe 2004 Olympics or somewhere around there, we had an all-star team of just the best players from the NBA and they lost. They actually, I think they got the bronze medal instead of the gold medal and everyone was shocked. And the reason is because you had all these individual players that didn't know how to work together. They were all great, but collectively as a team, they, they, you couldn't maximize the potential of the team, right? And so just getting the good people together isn't enough. That's hard to do, but that's not enough. Then you have to figure out how to uh, collaborate effectively and to create that psychologically safe environment where people can share their ideas, uh, where, where innovation can really occur again, another tall order uh, to really get that right. Yeah. So I have some rules around managing innovation teams because it's really, really important. So I write about this in my book, make elephants fly. Like how do you get innovation teams and really get them working? So one thing you pointed out aptly is that getting all superstars isn't enough. A lot of superstars have big egos. They don't, they're always worried about somebody else stealing their credit and stuff. You need, when you select people, you need people who aren't passionate about the credit they get. They are passionate about what they're, what they do. So this is a really important criteria when, when building an innovation team, getting the right mixture of people. When I look out there, like, how do you know if somebody's great? Well, I'll tell you, you know, if somebody's great, because when you talk to them, they love what they're doing. 
and they love it. So, so if they're an engineer, they're out there and they're they're always downloading the latest SDK from Node.js or MongoDB or whatever, you know, new technologies coming into the marketplace. They're playing with it. They're, they're actually showing you it with glee. They're like, you know, even though you don't understand a thing, uh, they are attending like all the meetup groups for engineers. And that's a great way to meet great engineers. Go to these meetup groups on the latest tech and you'll be surrounded by engineers who are passionate about what they do. They're on forums talking about it. Their home is all wired up and they're, you know, they're always doing different experiments. Same with a marketing person. Like if you're going to get that amazing marketing person, they are on the latest social networks, the emerging ones, the ones that aren't on people's radar yet. They're trying them out. They're trying out all these new marketing tools. They're always reading the latest books on marketing and talking about new ideas and things they could try. Those are the type of people who are natural innovators. So you need to look. This is true. You know, I'm talking about a startup or innovation within a large established company. Like you can be a big company. Don't focus like a lot of big corporations. I've consulted for Bosch. I've consulted for Intel. I've consulted for Qualcomm, all these big companies. And they tend to run contests like who has the best idea and we'll select you, you know, to, to head up, you know, to change the company. Well, the person with the best idea isn't necessarily the best innovation leader. <laughs> And the and innovation isn't about the idea. So they're going about it totally wrong. What I tell them is, uh, and it's the same for startup, same for a big company. If you're building this team, like look for those natural innovators who really care about what they're doing, not about the, the credit they get. Like they're not a political animal out, out for you know, their credit. Putting them together in an environment with other people where they can achieve the same goal, they will naturally come together and, and, and work like crazy to do that. That is the first basic step. Well, I love it. And again, it, it comes back to the ego issue, which is such a challenge with startups and with founders. Um, oftentimes, uh, they don't they're not quite sure when to to let go of control and and the 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 power, right? And to start to allow for things to morph away from maybe what their original idea might've been as they surround themselves with other people. It's one of the biggest problems when you see organizations trying to scale someone who might've been good at the startup phase is not at all capable of scaling the business. Uh, and, and so you see problems there too. Uh, and so absolutely everything you were just describing in terms of, of just getting beyond the ego, having that team together, uh, and then just getting people who are passionate, who are going to work their butts off towards, um, you know, this whole, not the specific idea, but like the whole, the whole uh, range of possibilities within this, this uh, path that they're uh, pursuing someone who's willing to, to experiment, someone who's willing to just to play and try things and, and see what happens and what's working and, and iterate rapidly. All of that um, isn't just about who's the smartest person in the room. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a set of mindsets, actually. It's, it's, it's different multiple mindsets and then people aren't getting stuck on the credit. They're not getting stuck uh, on the politics. They're just focusing on, on creating something awesome and they're excited by it. Absolutely. And I'm going to give your audience a tip now. And it's something I want every one of your audience members to try, you know, this coming week, try it. First of all, what you want to do is you don't want it to be these isolated brains working separately to solve the problem. You want to get people working together, right? As a team thinking, which means 
what I want you to do is try for one week, one week, and this is hard to, as a manager, to go into your company, whether it's large, medium, or small size, whether your team is small or, or giant, I want you to go in and try not to tell a single one of your reports, the people who report to you, what to do. You don't tell them what to do. Like most of us, like the first thing we go in, we, we like, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And don't focus on that right now. That's not important. This is our priority. Our managers think that's their job. But if you want to really get your team innovating, if you want to have your team not act like robots and just follow what you tell them to do, try asking them, don't tell. It's my ask, don't tell rule. So you go into work and every, for the entire week, and you don't tell a single person what to do. Instead, you go up to all your, your different people and you say, Frank, um, what do you think should be the priority priority this week? What do you think we should be working on? Um, what did you just do? Well, what you just did to Frank was you put Frank in a position where they have to think about this. <laughs> what should our, my priority be? My boss isn't telling me. What should I think? What, what I think is so important. First of all, Frank may come up with something, idea that you didn't even think about, that is actually more important than what you were about to tell Frank to work on. Now, let's say Frank comes back to you and says something that you don't think is important. Well, you could say, Instead of saying, no, 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 Frank, focus on this. <laughs> I was just asking you, but I really want you to focus on this. Instead of saying that, you say, oh, Frank, why do you think this is more important than that? So ask them again, have them think it, because Frank may have a good reason why X is more important than Y you should be focused on. Having that type of conversation. Frank, how do you think we could speed things up? How do you think we could get to that result faster? Whoa, instead of telling Frank, you know, I want you to move up the deadline, then they feel like, wow, my boss is pressuring me to move up the deadline. My boss doesn't even understand how much work this is. You're asking Frank, how do you think they can do it? And then Frank is buy-in, and then Frank has to think about, is there a way to move this up? Uh, if you're uh, producing an event or something, and you've produced 100 events before, and you know exactly how to produce a great event, instead of doing it, go up to your employees, Sally, Sally, we're going to be doing an event uh, what do you think we could do to make this an event exceptional? What do you think we can do to make the, our clients, when they come to this event, talk about it to everybody? Boom. All of a sudden, Sally owns the event. You aren't saying, Sally, go produce the event, you know, get X, Y, and Z done. We need it by Thursday, blah, blah, blah. You know, these are the topics. You're asking her. And then this unleashes all the creative, innovative brains in your company and gets them working. And there are problems in your company. Sometimes people aren't communicating, you know? Uh, so you say, you know, Marianne, uh, you know, uh, is there a way where you can uh, work, you know, you can talk to Sally and get the communication going better? Do you th think there's a way for us to better communicate? Whatever problems you have in your office, you can ask them as questions. And it's a great way to solve those problems. And it's just a more empowering approach, right? People take ownership over their work. They're not waiting around for you to rubber stamp everything, which when that kind of form, even if it's not your intention to micromanage, when that becomes the culture of your team where they're kind of waiting around for you and then they know that they're going to say something to you and then you're just going to kind of come back at them and put to push back to the point where they're going to have to redo stuff anyways. Guess what? When that happens, most people start to kind of do the minimum before ever taking it to you in the first place, because they just know you're going to, 
you know, uh, have them revise stuff and you're not going to get their best work. Right. So just empowering people by asking questions, that is such a genius uh, thing to focus on, but it's also, it's a bit counterintuitive. It's certainly not consistent with um, kind of the, the mindset and the norms that a lot of people think uh, are attached to leadership. Uh, and it takes practice to do it because uh, you know, you, especially if you're really smart and you've, you've, gone to a good school and you've worked for good companies and you have this great idea, you know, it, it's very easy to drink the Kool-Aid and start to believe that you have all the answers or at least many of the answers. And then all of a sudden you start to dictate to people and very quickly you're going to spiral into this, this position of, of uh, everyone just waiting to look to you and waiting for you to speak your wisdom rather than coming up with great stuff themselves. Yeah, and then they go along with it, and they go whatever direction you're taking them, which may not be the best direction. And what we've discovered in innovation is that it's a journey. If you already knew how to get there, if you knew uh, that breakthrough, amazing you know, thing you should be building, uh, somebody probably would have done it. It's not that simple. Usually these ideas come out from an interplay between your team and then the customer. So what I want you to do next, I want your audience to do, is not only extend your ask, don't tell to your team, but extend it beyond. And this is what I call building an ecosystem. So a great company doesn't exist in isolation. A great company exists as part of a system. And that system extends out to your vendors. It extends out to your customers, your clients, whoever they are. It extends out to everybody who touches your company. So can you get your team like yourself, to engage with the other parties like you're engaging with them. It's building this culture. So, for example, uh, can you go to you go up to your person who does customer service, right? And you tell the customer who does customer service, whenever you engage with a customer, is there a way to get feedback from them? Like it, we know they have a problem, but is there a way to actually get more feedback from them? Could is it possible? For you to actually ask them questions about our business so that they start telling us things we don't know that we can't see. Because I'll tell you, the best ideas out there are ones that address a customer's extreme needs. Things that the customer absolutely needs or really wants that they're not getting from the competition. That is where you rock it ahead. But you don't find those in a vacuum. You find those you, the customer's not going to tell you what product or service to build, but they will tell you what they need and what outcomes they want if you are willing to ask and if you are willing to listen. So every person that touches your customers, whether it's customer service, whether it's sales, whoever it is that's going face-to-face uh, -face or even on the phone or over the on Zoom calls with those customers, they should be get engaged in more asking and listening than they are in selling or problem solving. Right. They can do that. Like if you're a salesperson, yeah, you want to sell. If you're a customer support, you want to solve the problem and move on to the next one. But you're missing out on a huge opportunity there. Yeah, I love it. And you referred several times to this idea of 
the ecosystem around the innovation. Um, and so if we want to grow and scale our business, uh, we, we need to have a great team around us. We need to focus on the customer, customer's king, and, and adding value to the marketplace to solve problems. That can only happen as we listen, listen long and hard, intently, and, and try to get the best ideas uh, in and iterate rapidly so that we can try things out. Uh, there's so much more to this. Uh, we've only just scratched the surface, but I know at the time I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute. So we're going to have to close the conversation there today. But before we end, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, founder space, your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Sure. Happy to do so. So if you want to connect with me, super easy to find. Just go to founderspace.com. So founderspace. I have, there are tons of videos there, lots of material to help entrepreneurs and innovators. I also have my books there, Make Elephants Fly, which is all about innovation, Surviving a Startup, which is basically everything entrepreneurs need to know to, to grow, and The Five Forces, which is about these new technologies that are emerging right now that are going to totally change the landscape, our lives, business, society, everything. And there's, if so you can reach me at the website. You can also connect with me on every social network. Search for Captain Hoff. That's my nickname, Steve Hoffman. LinkedIn is a great place to find me. And my final advice to everybody out there is really what you want to do is when you're a manager, you want to think about how do I get everybody who is involved in my business you know, everybody from my employees to my customers to different parties, strategic partners, other people actually involved in innovating with me. How can I make a win? And at the end of the day, if you think of this one thing, uh, great companies provide exceptional value. So how my mission is not to how much money I can get from people, how much, you know, work I can get out of people. It's how much value I can provide to them. I love it. I love it, Steve. This has been a really great conversation. I appreciate you sharing your insights with me and my audience. My audience. I encourage everyone to reach out, to get connected with Steve, check out his books, check out Founders Space. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.